With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am one of your hosts, Robert Brining, joined by my co-host, Jeremy Dunn, and tonight we welcome our new Sunday co-host, Jack McEnroth. Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> How are you making out tonight, Jeremy? I'm good. I'm just, I'm just trying to get the stupid chat thing to work. Oh, it always seems to be an issue with you. <laughs> it's, it's a Mac. You know what? It, because everything else is run by PCs. They haven't, you know, gone over to I have them. a Mac and I'm fine. Oh, it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you, Jeremy. It's so, Jack, me. it was great meeting you in Philly when you were here for the AIDS walk. I know. It was really great to meet you. Unfortunately, the weather was just, like, hellacious. It was like a yeah, monsoon. It was. Yeah, it, was um, it was too bad because, I mean, I know that AIDS fund gets all the money anyways, regardless, but it would have been a lot more exciting. I think the the horrible freezing weather scared a lot of people away. Yeah, well, the first side of the walk, it was raining and it was all muggy. And then when we reached halfway point and crossed the bridge and came back down Kelly Drive the other way, it was all sun out. So it ended up clearing up at the end. Oh. It was nice. Good. Oh, see, you should have stayed. <laughs> I actually had to go. I, um, I, no, one of the, I think the Philly Examiner or Inquirer or whatever your main paper there is said I was doing the whole 12K walk. And I was like, oh, crap, I have to do the whole walk. Um, but actually I had to, we did another little video widget while we were there, so I had to interview this doctor, so I actually had to leave, so I did have a good excuse. <laughs> I wasn't just ditching out. Right. So when will we be expecting that new widget to come out? Um, it'll be on livingpositivebydesign.com probably. The last one took about a month to edit. I don't know why it takes so long. We basically could take, take down, you know, a half an hour's worth of footage into three and a half minutes. So I interviewed the mayor. Um, I interviewed this uh, this woman from her name is her last time is gonna kill me. It's Christina Hollis Sarisaglu. I don't know how the hell I remember that, but um, she was super cool and she runs Philly AIDS Thrift. So we uh, talked to her for a while, and then the la- the doctor was Doctor um, who was actually very tall, but his name is Doctor Short. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so he was cool, and he just talked about some of the stats and of HIV and stuff in Philly. So it was good. Cool. Excellent. Jeremy, anything new with you, a new blog or anything? Um, I just actually, um, speaking of blogs, Jack, I posted yours up on my, up on my site, and I also um, posted a new article about the CDC just released a, um, an interesting study that uh, disproves um, about black men being on the down low being the cause for black women's HIV infections on the rise. So I, I thought it was interesting, and so I, I wanted to share that with everybody. So that's out there. Cool, and they can check that out at PositivelySpeaking.com, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. PositivelySpeaking.com It's Positively with a Z, like Liza. <laughs> You're funny. Well, tonight we have a special guest on, and um, some of you may have seen um, Diane on Oprah recently. She was just on Tuesday, or you may have seen her on 2020, and um, she shared her story, and um, it's very interesting because it's um, a different way. Um, it, was, it was viewed differently from different people, so it's interesting to see um, what she thought of the show after it was done. Um, I thought it was 
great that she came out and shared her story and, and didn't hide and, and showed who she really was. So um, we're going to go ahead and welcome Diane all the way from Texas to Paz I Am Radio. Welcome, Diane. Thank you. Can you hear me? No, yeah. we hear you great. Yay. Okay, Hi, Diane. Hi. <laughs> she has a nice Texas accent. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 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 so, Diane, so I think we are... Go ahead. Just we're going to be talking over each other, so... No, no, we'll be fine. Um, Diane, for people who may not have seen the story um, or saw you on Oprah, could you give a little um, short version of your story and what you shared with Oprah in 2020? Oh, sure. Um, I have been married most of my adult life. Uh, my second divorce was final in 2000 after 18 years of marriage. Uh, it was a little difficult getting back on the dating scene. I was a little bit hesitant to do that, uh, but I had some friends who um, helped me out, and, and after kissing a lot of frogs, I fell in love with a guy who um, I thought would be my partner for the rest of my life, and um, we were together for about four and a half years, uh, was in what I believe to be a monogamous relationship with him. Um, however, I did um, find out at the end part of the relationship that it wasn't exclusive on his part, and so I broke it off. Um, about that same time, I began experiencing a lot of um, physical difficulties, a lot of fatigue and all, and, and was sent to a number of different doctors who you know, couldn't figure out anything that was wrong with me necessarily until um, I got in touch with um, a couple of the other women that he had been seeing, and one of them um, went and got tested for all the STDs. And when she did that, she found that she was HIV positive. So she not only gave his name to the health department, but also gave my name to the health department because I had been paying for his cell phone and I had access to a lot of numbers of women. Uh, it turns out he was seeing nine other women at the same time that he was seeing me. I was very clever. Um, and so when I got the diagnosis, then um, my friend Susan and I kind of went on a mission in order to make sure that he didn't hurt anyone else because it was obvious to her when she talked to him that he had known for quite some time that he was positive and continued to infect numerous women. And we thought it was important to get him off the street. So we just um, wrapped up the trial in May of this year, and he was sentenced to 45 years in prison. So subsequent to that, um, we contacted um, at least 10 women who are HIV positive and formed a support group. And our support group was designed to help each other with the struggles of being newly diagnosed and where do we go from here. So um, with our group then, um, we were able to heal a lot faster, I think, than normal. Um, my diagnosis was in January of 2007. So it's been not even three years since I've had my diagnosis. And so, uh, Diane, this is Jeremy. Thanks again for um, speaking with us tonight. Hi, Jeremy. Hi. Um, so... Are you currently on treatment or anything? Because I know a lot of our listeners who are newly diagnosed and some who are um, who have been uh, diagnosed for many, many years um, also watch the show, and we didn't really get some of the follow-up that we were hoping to get. So um, can you explain where you are today? Sure. Um, when I was diagnosed in January of 2007, my T-cell count was 45. Wow. And uh, and I had just changed my insurance because um, I've had a lot of problems with uh, cervical dysplasia, which is really common when you're HIV positive. And um, my insurance was not paying how I thought it needed to, so I, I changed insurance companies in December of '06, and they had an exclusive clause in there that says that if you're HIV positive, we won't cover that. And I thought, nah, it's not a problem with me, so... I signed it and got started. 
So then in January, I got the diagnosis. And so it took me around four or five months to be able to find either insurance or I went to a specialized doctor who was doing a study and I couldn't qualify for the study after many, many trials of trying to qualify because I had too much, had sustained a lot of kidney damage. So before I started treatment, my T-cell count went to 31. And so then um, once I did find insurance and get started, um, then, you know, things have been on the upswing since then. Great. Good. Hey, um, well, Diane, this is Jack. And uh, yeah, I think I think we were we were chatting a little bit briefly before the show, before we went on air. And I think mm-hmm. what we're interested to hear from you is kind of what wasn't said on the show, like, um, okay. you know, how you're how you're doing. Like you just mentioned, how are the other women coping? How are they doing? Um, just because you know, I think a lot. Some of us were a little uh, disappointed that Oprah didn't go into the fact that there are treatments. Uh, mm-hmm. Available and and there is hope for people out there that are d- diagnosed with HIV. I mean, of course, it's sensationalized for television. They want to, you know, have all the really heart wrenching stuff in there. But I think there's a special, you know, there's a huge population of HIV positive people that were were listening and were like, you know, the the public that's not really familiar with HIV and how the virus is transmitted and all that stuff. They didn't really learn a lot in in that for in that regard. Um, well, so how are yeah. how are the other women doing? Well, the um, out of the ten other women that are in the support group, three of us have AIDS, and the rest are HIV positive. However, um, we're all except for one on treatment now, um, and we're you know we're doing well. Um, all of our you know we're on virtually all the same medicine, which is kind of funny. Um, so we're sisters by virus, but we're also sisters by medicine too. Um, right. And so um, the triplet that that we're taking has been very very successful in keeping the um, viral load undetectable and made a world of difference. Obviously, in how I felt, um, I regained my energy and my enthusiasm and. Um, you know, and progressing, you know, it's a, it's, it, when you don't know anything about it, it, it is a scary diagnosis. And so then you read on the internet all about it and then you get more scared. And so until you live with it for several years, and I know there are folks out there in the audience who've been living with it for much longer than I have, um, cause, you know, what I told Oprah, I guess, was, the first two years, every time I got a hangnail, I thought I was going to die. But, right. but, um, but, but you know, um, I have a really, really fantastic doctor, and I do take good care of my health. And you know, my energy level has rebounded, and I am living life how I always have been. I, you know, still have the women for my support group. I think that that has made a huge difference in moving through the process to acceptance. Um, in fact, in looking at a lot of people online and in different places, um, what I averaged out was it's about four years before most people are even willing to to come out. And so, you know, with us, I think because we had the sisterhood of the support, it helped us come out a whole lot faster. Right. Right. Um, well, how, how was the response from the show? What did you get from the viewers? Then I'm, I'm sure people found you. I mean, I found you after um, you know, <laughs> 2020 because you just you reached out to me, you know, through the screen. I felt really connected to you. I felt that you were real. You know, you weren't hiding in a disguise. You were out there and you were honestly yourself. And that made me feel that that's what you were in your relationship as well, that you were that honest, upfront person. And, you know what I mean? And, and then, you know, things happen. And, what was your response from people from the show? Well, that's 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 very kind of you actually to say that because um, it was a struggle and in making the decision. But you know, my mission was to de- to help destigmatize. You know, we all we all deal with that. And I thought, you know, if I'm in disguise, how does that help destigmatize? I can't be afraid. I can't 
go crawl off into a hole anywhere. And so, um, uh, you know, but I am in business for myself. And so I struggled uh, because of my family and because of my business. And, um, you know, so so I, I went ahead and made the decision, and, and I'm really glad that I did. Um, overwhelmingly from, from both 2020 and Oprah, I have received um, positive comments, no pun intended, um, <laughs> all over the world. Um, and and very very um, highly supportive about the courage and the bravery that it took to come forward and also do the right thing in terms of getting a predator off the street and so um, you know I, I felt very very validated by it. yes there were others um, there were some who you know were negative but but overall you know when I tracked it and I think on Oprah. Last time I looked on the comment section, we had over 300 comments, and we're running about eight or nine, maybe even ten to one in our favor. And right. so, if you're doing if you're doing better than Obama, I got to figure. That's funny. So, Diane, this is Jeremy again. I, I have another question um, mm-hmm. because one thing that that you know is probably a sensitive subject for many of us who are HIV positive and as and something that we talk about we we've actually talked about quite a bit is the criminalization mm-hmm. and, uh, of HIV positive uh, or of being HIV and HIV positive mm-hmm. people um how do you hope that going through this process is going to help one um, educate those educate the people out there that not all HIV positive people are out to get you. That, Absolutely. Uh, you know, be, because I, I think that that's something that we would love to hear from you from being yeah. uh, from a victim who has been victim. I mean, victimized in 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 all it, and the case is over, right? Oh, the case is over. Yes, okay, so he I can is call in jail right dumb, now. Okay, so I can call him a scumbag <laughs> on the air, and I won't get like in trouble by this. Um, well, you can call him whatever you want to, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> um, because what we don't want to have happen, obviously, is um, having all HIV positive people um, being singled out and um, you know victims of witch hunts themselves. So how how do you hope that, or what do you think will happen now that he is put behind bars, and how do you hope to say that, you know what, he was just one particular bad person? Uh Uh-huh. And and that not all HIV-positive people are like that. Exactly. And. Well, and, and, you know, now I'm an HIV-positive person, too, and I certainly wouldn't want people to think, oh, you know, I'm afraid of her because, you know, she could be out to get me and, and you know, what do I do about disclosure and this, that, and the other thing. But, but and, you know, there were, there were, there is quite a number of, um, of talk about the decriminalization and how it will help bring people forward to get tested and you know obviously from my point of view and and I understand and and I do believe that he was an, a bad apple um and that most HIV people positive people are are highly responsible and would never think of wishing this on their worst enemy and so of course you know, was I believe, and and you know, he was court ordered, you know, by in two different counties by two different county health departments to stop having unprotected sex, and continued even after that. You know, it's just horrific that and 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 it's it's it was different than most of the other people, and so for. You know, for somebody to be on a witch hunt, no, I don't. I don't think that's correct. I don't think that's a, a moral way to do things because obviously we're not tr- out there trying to hurt anybody like he was. But for those people who are HIV positive 
and the the rare rare minority that don't take responsibility i believe that that will give us as a society more hope in that you know if if there is a bad apple out there then then there is something that you could do about it to make things right and fair and just certainly you know those who put themselves at risk and and you know and I'm big on personal responsibility too and don't think I would beat myself up over this but but after four and a half years of monogamous relationship I don't really see how anybody would expect that protection would still be used particularly after he continually lied to me about his status and so and so so there's two issues the, the the first issue is yes he was different than most HIV positive people and I certainly wouldn't want witch hunts to take place because I don't think that that's the way to address the situation but the the second thing is I believe in testing for everyone routinely just like what the CDC has recommended for the last couple of three years and I think that will go a long way in destigmatizing the process of just getting a test. As a woman, I can tell you it's it would have been embarrassing for me to go to my doctor and say I need an HIV test. Mm-hmm. And if it had if it happened automatically every time I had my annual physical, if I you know go visit a emergency room or a healthcare clinic or whatever, if it happens automatically, unless you opt out rather than opting in, then I think that, that will help destigmatize a lot. And and that's the other reason that I came out. Awesome. And, and I just have one quick follow-up, and then I'm going to hand it over to Jack. Okay. Um, the, the, my other question is, so in part of all of this, many states are starting to write legislation where um, HIV-positive people are having to register, like here in my state of North Carolina, I have to register with the state. Um, uh-huh. And how – so what do you think we should, act, we should do from a local – from a city, local, state, and federal level to, um, to pull that kind of thing out of legislation? Because – or do you think it's okay for the legislators to um, write into law that we have to register and, um, you know – that that kind of thing. Wow. Well, that's a pretty loaded question. Um, <laughs> you know what? I, I would really um, need to give that some thought because this is something, you know, in Texas we don't even have any HIV disclosure laws. Um, this man was prosecuted um, for infecting us under um, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, and, and Texas has specifically shied away from um, enacting laws where you transmit HIV, you know, uh, because of that, because they want to shy away from, you know, having a national database, and it, I would smack the Big Brother, and you know, all the fear right. along with that. However, you know, on the other side of it, from from my personal experience, had that been available somehow or when when the health department got his name the first time um, and he denied having any partners or knowing their names, and that was back in 2005 when he was seeing at least four or five of us at the same time, um, you know, it may have helped with with his particular situation. Does that warrant having everybody register? I don't know. Um, at first glance, I've got to say no. You know, right. because he was he was a different animal. Um, sociopath is the nicest thing that I can think of to say, um, and so it's a it's a difficult question. It is really a difficult question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. This is Jack again. I I agree, and I think there's not really a right answer. I do think anytime mm-hmm. you you get you know, registration and all that stuff, it does reek of, like, 1984 and Big Brother and oh, yeah. all, oh, all yeah. of that. And, and I also think because 
with HIV, there's, you know, um, there's people test negative when they're seroconverted. I mean, there's all these slippery gray areas where it's like, well, when do you register? I mean, that's just, I just think that's, that's going a little bit far. One thing I do think is very clear, and I give you great credit for, is the fact that you were visible, and like you said, you were almost embarrassed. You'd be embarrassed to ask for an HIV test, and I think that you just got it out in the public dialogue again, which was mm -hmm, great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we all need to keep talking about it, and that's why we do our show like we do, because, you know, I mean, until, I mean, so many people, like, you are not in any sort of high-risk group. You don't, it never even occurred to you. And I think, you know, making it a topic of conversation again is really important. A question I have along those lines is I know those women are all, you know, in your support group, and some of them, they said ahead of the, sh before the show, were in disguise. Um, mm -hmm. Specifically, do you, because I was thinking to myself, well, okay, I understand there is a huge stigma um, still mm -hmm. surrounding HIV, but then why go on the show at all? Like, why why not just have you, and I think there was one, one or two other women on there that were not discussed. Yeah. yeah. Why not just have you two go on and kind of tell their story? And, I mean, do you know, do you know their motivation behind that at all? Yeah, um, because as we, as we worked with the producers, and, and we worked with the producers of, of 2020 for a period of time, and what they explained to us is that um, the more of us that, that spoke, and particularly because we were so close, in our group, that the more compelling and the more powerful and the more impact that our story would would have. Now, I was also told, however, that the more of us who disclosed, it would be a more powerful story. But the other women, you know, have their reasons for not. I mean, one is a corporate vice president, um, you know, and, and she felt stigma in the workplace. Right. That, that that would be a risk for her. Um, I, you know, I, I'm kind of a different animal. Um, I, teach, I, I teach character for a living. You know, I'm a martial arts instructor. And one of the biggest things that I get up and talk to the children about is courage. And that's doing what's right even though you might be afraid. Right. And I didn't know how I could stand up and teach children to be courageous and turn around and hide. It it seemed incongruous to me. And so, you know, that was the reason that I made the decision that I did. Well, I think um, that's great. Thank yes, you. I, I, I agree, Diane, because it was this is Robert again and one of the things that I like I said when I first called you after you were on twenty twenty was that you, you reminded me of everyone's mom. You reminded me of my mom. You just reminded me of just everyone who had a mom who was loving and caring. It was you. And you allowed me to have a conversation with my mother because my mother's a widow. And she uh -huh. isn't dating yet, but uh -huh. it's been about 10 years, and I know she's about to step out into that scene. And uh -huh. I know she knows about HIV because of me. But I uh -huh. just felt like I had to reassure her and have that conversation so I had that conversation with my mom about her having, you know, protected sex and, and making sure she was fully educated, and that was because of you. So first I want to thank you for, for that. Wow, that's really cool. I'm so happy that, that you did that. And, and let me tell you, it probably takes courage to bring that subject up with your mom. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little odd. But, you know, she, uh, she listens to the shows and stuff like that, so I think it's really cool. She shows great support. But what would you say to people who – are just getting out there and maybe dating again who are around your age who don't think that HIV is a problem because they didn't grow up worrying about HIV. They grew up worrying about getting pregnant. You know what I mean? Like right. that's what my mom said tonight when we had dinner. Like I worried about getting pregnant, not about, you know, catching HIV. Well, and I'm, you know, a child of the 60s. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I'm kind of a hippie radical. Mm -hmm. And about the time that I became sexually active was when birth control pills came. And so w there was no really need even to use condoms at that time because we had the pill. And I just wasn't in, you know, uh, I, know I, wouldn't, I, I wasn't around enough to, to worry about, you know, STDs. And that's probably naive on my part, but I wasn't. 
you know, and, and that's the way that's that's the way I grew up. And of course, you know, until the eighties, we didn't hear anything about HIVs and by, HIV. And by that time, you know, I was married, having a family, and raising babies. And I mean, I just missed all the music of the eighties because I was busy raising my kids. You know, and, and of course, I heard about it, but you know, it it, it just didn't seep in to the degree that I think that it that it needs to in people our age and and you know my doctor sees people in my age group my, all through age groups and everything but but uh when when we interviewed him for the 2020 piece and he didn't um end up making the cut off the editing room floor but he said that his latest um victim to be identified or are our patient to be identified was a 78-year-old woman, and there is a an increase in our age group because we do think of birth control, you know, condoms for birth control, and you know, I'll, I'll need that anymore. You know, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Don't right. worry about it. And so, you know, it's a but it is a whole different ball game, and and you know, hopefully the kids that are out there and the young people that are out there can, you know, do the reverse thing and educate their parents and say, you know, look, mom, look, dad, you know, you got to be aware of this too because this is reality and it can happen to anybody. And you you can certainly hold me up as an example. It can happen to anybody. Well, and I think we need to remember as well that, you know, in in any sexual situation there's not only h i mean hiv is the big one that you don't want to get but there's a host of other things oh, yeah. that are that are not fun either and hepatitis c isn't curable either and you know so i mean right. we, you know protecting yourself is obviously the way to go in all scenarios right right so so you know you just you you, you said something and maybe i missed it because i'm trying to chat in the in the chat room all at the same hmm. time that i'm doing the show <laughs> um so would you, are you thinking of becoming an advocate for um, 50 plus HIV, newly HIV infected folks that say, look, um, because I know Florida uh, has a higher case of oh sure of, of 50 and over who are becoming infected because they aren't using condoms. Why do I need that? You know, good sure. lord, I don't even have a uterus anymore. I'm not going to have children. You know, <laughs> you know, but. Um, so what do you tell your friends who are in your age group and, and older? What do you tell them when they say, well, what do you mean you need to use a condom? Well, you know, as a nurse, I'm used to educating people about health care issues. And so um, I actually was a nurse in my previous life before, you know, I started the martial arts school. But that's a whole other topic. But and so it's it's pretty easy for me to and and from personal experience to say look you know this is this is real this is uh, becoming more and more of an issue in our age group because you know we're not a captive audience in school anymore you know we don't get it pounded into our heads um, and and we didn't you know. Back in the '60s, uh, you know, it was it was you know sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and uh, and and that's just not the way it is. And and I agree with you. Hep C is is another deadly disease, you know. And and I don't mean to say that I don't mean to say that there's no hope for anybody with HIV because obviously that's not the truth. I mean, they're long, long-term survivors of, of this illness, and and that we've come such a huge, long way in in having people who can live with it for long, long periods of time and be okay. Um, But if you don't know, if you don't get tested, if you are unaware, you know, and you're in the kind of group that I'm in, you know, no doctor's going to think to test you for it because you don't fit the profile. Right. You know, and so then, then you progress to AIDS. And, and if I had high-fived the wrong snot-nosed kid, you know, back in January of 07, I might not be talking to you right now. Right. Because mm-hmm. my system had been compromised and nobody knew, you know. 
That, that's true, because let me tell you, children are walking little Petri dishes <laughs> of disease. Oh, of course they, they are. are. <laughs> they just oh, yeah, are. Sure. Sure they are. <laughs> so so I, I have one more. How's your family and your relationship with your family now? Well, you know, incredibly supportive. Um, my father passed away um, in 2001. And so it's just my mom and I in terms of, you know, and I'm an only child. And so she has been hugely um, concerned and supportive and, and and right there with me every step of the way. I do have two daughters who also have have been absolutely right there with me and and were my cheerleaders in terms of what I was doing with the trial and with the case and those sorts of things. And so, you know, I'm real lucky. Well, um, well uh, on a lighter note, I want to ask a real quick question. How was Oprah? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Oprah has been my hero for some number of years. She I love has, her. Um, she, is, she is just, first of all, the quintessential teacher. And because I am a teacher, I have admired her for you know, long, long period of time. And I'm Diane, are you near the computer right now with your speakers? No, I'm not. And I don't know why I'm getting that echo because um, I'm sitting in the same place that I have been all the time. I, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll move to a different uh, Wait, now you're location. Not. Maybe, yeah, you're good now. Uh, okay, that's good. Um, but, but yeah, um, <laughs> it was almost, you know, and I knew, knew I was going to meet her. I didn't know how we were going to uh, be lined up when we walked out. I didn't know I was going to get to sit next to her. But I had prayed, you know, that if I could just <laughs> touch the hem of her skirt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and she was so kind. And, and she did, you know, she, she was so empathetic. And there were tears. And and genuine and and you know I just can't say enough things that were nice about how we were treated by the entire staff, you know everyone. Good, good, good. I think that's great. I think it's great, Diane. Um, one more quick question, just so um, I was trying to see if we had one here in the chat room or if anybody wanted to call in, but we didn't give out the number yet. Do you still have a few seconds to stay with us? Oh sure. Okay, if somebody would like to call in and ask a question, you can go ahead at 347-215-9442. We're going to take a call. Um, one of the things I had, Jeremy kind of touched on it, but I don't think um, I, we got an answer. Um, How does it feel? Are you, do you consider yourself now an activist? Is this something that you want to do, start sharing your story more to help others and promote people to get tested? Well, you know, I, I obviously, you know, when Robert called me, I was more than happy to – come on the show with you all and, and share the story because I think it is important to get the message out. And also with the Oprah thing and also with the 2020 thing, you know, where it goes from here, I, you know, I don't know what's what's in the future. I certainly, if, if someone asks for me to help in some way and I can help and I can make an impact, then... Sure, absolutely. Um, am I going to go digging around for things? Well, you know, my full-time job keeps me pretty busy, so, um, you know, my time is limited, but I would not shirk an obligation or, or an opportunity. And I do feel like I have an obligation. I do feel like this is something that is important for me to do because, you know, um, it's it's an unfortunate thing. I can't change the past. I can only move forward, and hopefully I can take a negative and turn it into a positive again. No, no puns. Uh, so that's, you know, so, and, and this is all kind of new. I mean, you know, 2020 just aired about a month ago, and, and then Oprah last week or this week, and so, it, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Well, I think you're. I think you're doing an amazing job for. Oh. I, you know, it takes us all along. I mean, I've been HIV positive for 20 years, so um, it's like no big deal to me anymore. But you know, it, you're still grieving and you're still healing. So I commend you for you know being as outspoken as you are. I think it's really impressive. Well, thank you so much. That feels so good for for someone, you know, with your kind of credentials to say that because I 
I take comfort in that, um, that maybe I'm out there doing the right thing, you know. You definitely and, are. And, and you do know now that you've shown up on Oprah, your phone is going to be ringing. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I think you know, you're going to have, there, so. exactly, you're going to, I think you might have some opportunities to come out and speak. So. <laughs> well, and if they're there and I can help people, then that's, you know, that, that's what human beings are supposed to do. Human beings are supposed to help each other. You right. know, we're all in this together, and we got to help each other. You know, you can't go things alone. You can't be out there by yourself. Got to have, got to have help and hope. You know. Yep. I totally agree. Absolutely. We have a caller here, so I'm going to bring uh, Nate from Florida on the air. Nate, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Robert. Uh, Diane, first of all, I want to tell you that I, kudos to you. I am testing next week for my purple belt in Kempo Karate. It's awesome. really hard. Yes, yes. <laughs> back, back to um, my question. Um, I've been positive a long time, and I, I, co- I co-facilitate an HIV support group for gay men, and we talk about disclosure a lot. And I just, I'm, first of all, I just can't imagine how much harder it would be for a heterosexual woman to go through disclosure. So my question is, and it's it's one we ask ourselves all the time, um, when and how do you disclose to a partner or a potential partner or a casual partner that you're dating uh, that you're HIV positive? Well, you know, I've only had one experience with that so far, so I really don't have a lot of uh, I don't I don't have a lot of backup data on this. Um, I can tell you what we what we did as a support group, and it was very very helpful. Um, I got in touch with the folks at University of Texas Southwestern Medical School, and they have a program that's a five week, uh, two hour a week um, educational piece that that HIV-positive men or women can attend, and it takes you through all the different relationships that you have. You know, there's family, there's friends, there's coworkers, there's partners. You know, there's lots of different folks out there. And how do you make that decision whether to disclose or not? And so we did that as a, as our support group way early on, like probably I think it was May, June of uh, 08. And so that was before, obviously, that I was ever interested in seeing another man for the rest of my life. And so I I didn't think that I would ever need to use it, but I thought, well, you know, this is better better that I get prepared and, and, you know, know the pros and the cons of how I go about that decision-making process. And I was taken aback because someone asked me out. And so, and it took me a while to catch on that he was really hitting on me. That's how long it had been since. (laughs) Okay. Welcome to our world. Oh, yeah, really, I'm telling you. Um, and, and so at the end of the day, you know, he, we we shared this earth-shattering kiss, one of those things where, what do you say, the the neighbors cry and the angels had a cigarette. And, 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 so, and so, you know, I thought, ooh, you know, and, and so then we started to date and, and, and on the second date. You know, when he asked me out the second time, I thought, you know, I – I'm not going to let this go, and he was he was hugely um, attractive to me. But I have a very high. I, I, I just couldn't. I, I just couldn't not do that. You know, right. I just I just couldn't because that was something that was done to me, and so be, because of that, then you know, I just. You know, we had we had dinner. Or I went out to the parking lot. He walked me to the car, and I said, "You know what? We got to talk." And so then I did, and he was hugely kind and compassionate. And I didn't know this about him, but he did have a family member who had passed away with AIDS, and so <laughs> he was he was very very supportive. And so my first disclosure went well. <laughs> You know, and and of course with my family that was that was a no brainer. I had to tell them 
um, you know, a couple right. of my friends. But I didn't disclose to a whole lot of people because, frankly, you know, you get a, a diagnosis of diabetes, you don't go around and shout that to the world. And you get a diagnosis of high blood pressure, you don't go around and say, hello, my name is Diane, I have high blood pressure. You know, it's just it's not an issue. So The only, the only, the only thing I sometimes say when I, I get a lot of outreach from people who are struggling with the same question and I say, listen, if, if I understand there are certain situations where obviously the person's not going to take it well or you don't need to tell them or whatever, but I also say, think about the fact that you're educating that person as well and you're helping fight the stigma for every single person who's HIV positive when just by educating your little, you know, insular group of people that you've been telling. So, you know, and I also, and I also say that often, you know, uh, when you, like like you just said, you were surprised to find that your your friend had someone close to him that passed away and, and knew more about HIV than you expected. Exactly. Well, oftentimes, oftentimes, you know, when we disclose to our friends and family, you know, then they come forward and say, oh, well, I'm HIV positive too, or I know someone that is too. And you, I think you find a lot more support than you anticipate oftentimes. Oh, and that's hugely validating, and it's and it's so important psychologically to have that backup and and have you know somebody who who feels your pain, you know, and who understands and and who supports you because you know they've been through it or they know somebody that's been through it. And you know, you're right. Um, you know, a couple of my friends at the school, you know, once I came out on on the 2020 thing, said, "Oh, by the way, I have a friend who." was just diagnosed and, and he's struggling right now. And I said, well, you know, give him a number because I'd be happy to, to talk to him. You know, right. and, and it's important that all of us do what we can, you know, whenever we have the opportunity, when it's appropriate to to educate people because, you know, it's, that's how we're going to fix things. That's how we're going to make it better. Right. Absolutely. Now, now the the gentleman that you're with now is um, HIV negative, correct? Correct. Okay. So how is how is that for you? Because you know a lot of people who are positive and are newly diagnosed, they don't think that they're ever going to find a relationship or love again, and then people then fall into love with somebody and they end up being HIV negative, and then they go, "That's never going to be able to happen." I know my partner's negative, and it's you know something that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, and I wonder just how that is for you to, to be with somebody who is negative. Did you think that you were never going to be able to experience this again? Well, yeah. Uh, I thought, you know, I had all the feelings of doubt about my self-worth and that nobody would want me. Um, and, you know, w- women are pretty good at that anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. when you get to be 58 years old, you just think, ugh, you know, no, you know, and so um, you know, it's a, it's a it's an extra added burden, you know, to the self confidence issues that you've got anyway. Um, and, and you know what, though, I, there's with this particular man, I've just been so hugely fortunate that he's absolutely, you know, it, it doesn't really come up. Obviously, we always use protection. Um, and you know we we enjoy a full um relationship um in all different ways and um you know i'm I'm real lucky i I have heard of other people that are you know what they call sarah discordant uh where one of them is positive and one of them is negative, and it can work you know um what is it from uh, young Frankenstein? It could happen. You know, and it does. <laughs> oh, Diane, it's been much pleasure speaking with you today. Um, and it, it's, it's been very enjoyable, very educational, and, and very nice to know more about you other than what has happened because it's nice to know that you've moved past the diagnosis and, and are living your life again because a lot of people don't think that they can live their life again. So I just want to thank you for coming on and just being you, being true to who you are very important as you transition after your diagnosis to keep that. So I want to thank you. Well, you know what? I consider it my my privilege um, to have had this opportunity because every time 
I have an opportunity to talk to someone about it, and and you guys are doing a wonderful, wonderful thing. You're doing a wonderful job. You're you're out there educating and and your advocates and and um, you know and just uh, you know I have my heartfelt thanks to to you and and give you all all the credit for um, doing what you do and helping me feel good about what I've done. So I thank you. All right, sweetheart. You have a great night. Thank you. You too. Take care. Good night, Diane. Thank you. Good night, Diane. Thank you. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. She was such a sweetheart. Oh. (laughs) My little heart warmed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you have to give her credit also in the sense that you have to remember she's down in Texas, and I don't really know, obviously I don't know her life and I don't know what her Mm -hmm. surroundings are like, but it's like, you know, we take it for granted that we have this great network of people that we can reach out to. And, I, right. you know, she's still, this is still all really new for her. And, I mean, I, I try to think, you know, two years out of my HIV diagnosis, well, granted, it was different. But, you know, for people that are newly diagnosed, it's like, would you just jump? I mean, it's pretty brave to just jump on a national talk show. Yeah. So, yeah. especially when you don't, you know, when, when, she, you know, I said earlier she's not in a high-risk group, which I was corrected in the chat room that she, you know, whenever you're having unprotected sex, you're putting yourself at risk. But, you know, she's not in the stereotypical high-risk. She's not a gay male. She's not an intravenous drug user. It's like, you don't, that's shocking to see, uh, an, you know, um, an older woman who was heterosexual and thought she was in a monogamous relationship have this happen to her. So it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think yeah, it's really important because a lot of those women in that age group, a lot of heterosexual women don't think that they, you know, are at risk. So I think it's big kudos to her for being who she was and, and coming forth like that. It, it, you know, and, and I think how, how – because, you know, Texas isn't the most liberal of states. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so – and um, – and being, uh, you know, but, but what is she? Fifty-eight. She's mm-hmm. over fifty. She's starting a new life, and to be having to deal with with HIV and AIDS and all of that stuff that goes along with it, the ups, the downs. I mean, I mean, I, I think you guys know as much as I do. Just sometimes how difficult difficult it is to put your feet on the floor in the morning. Sometimes like god i just don't want to deal with it i if i have to take one more pill i'm gonna you know but and then and then adding all the age appropriate things on top of that right you know i mean she's i can't believe she was down to 31 t-cells that's crazy well mine was 40 when i was diagnosed so i i i'm i i I, i'm i'm with her on this one yeah no i know i get it it's just i mean Imagine, I mean, not that it was any less of a shock to you, but it's like imagine being a 50-something-year-old woman in the middle of where the hell, Texas, and then finding out you have 45 T-cells. Like, it's like oh, that's God. crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, God, what do I do? And, you know, and there's there's other things, you know, that the, you know, she mentioned, in, there's actually some other things that she was talking, that we kind of glossed over a little bit, is, you know, Age, yes, Bob, one tough pirate. I did say age, um, <laughs> but you know, when as you get older, and and Jack, you're starting to fall into this as you get older. <laughs> um, I'm Fuck kidding. you. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say bad words anymore, but I'm to say that one for you. Yeah, <laughs> for you. For you. Um, but uh, but you know, as as we all get older, we all have to deal with. You know, age issues. And there's also some research out that shows that HIV accelerates those age, those, those things that people experience later on in age. So I, I, she's got, she, she's, she's a brave, brave woman, and I commend her. That's kind of where I was going with all that. And I thought your questions were interesting. I just still think there's more. I think we should do a show on that whole vilification and, um, you know, legislation regarding HIV because that's, it's, you know, there's, it's, such a slippery slope of like you know between this and quarantining you know what I mean and yep. all the regis- registering yourself and all that is bizarre the other thing I that 
she, I'm glad she explained a little bit, was that I wanted to know why some of the women were in disguise. And I actually still think it's a shame on you to the producers to say, like, oh, well, it's more impactful if you have more women. And, like, I'm like, you know, two those two women could have been, you know, they could have gotten actually even more in-depth into their stories and then instead of having women in disguise. Because I, I still have a beef with that. I mean, I, I know why they did it, but what? Go ahead. What? No, I was going to say I think um, one of the other reasons that they may have done it, the producers, is because if you're sharing a story about this gentleman who was purposely infecting these women with HIV and saying that there's, I think, how many did she say was altogether eleven? Eleven. Not well. She's, yeah, they know of eleven. I think. Right. So they know of eleven. So if you're telling a story about eleven women that had this problem and only have two on the show. Well, I mean, and then then say, listen. Unfortunately, because there's such a huge stigma about you know around HIV, surrounding HIV, then these women were. I don't know. I think there could have been a, a different way of doing it. I, I I just I think subliminally when people go on and say they're in disguise and they're ashamed of themselves, they're ashamed of being HIV positive, and I just thought that was not a very positive message to be sending. So I think in on the flip side, Diane and the other woman that went on there completely out of the skies were, you know, that's very impressive. So, you know, and, and that's, it's that whole thing, you know, um, oh, we scared Bob. We scared Bob. <laughs> Bob says, got to run. Um, uh, but it's that whole idea of, um that the self stigmatizing versus you know you know how much of it is 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 stealth stigma or stealth self stigma versus outside stigmatizing um stigma right you know taking all that stuff that you see in the media and everything and then you internalize it right you know so i I think there's a lot of that that goes on as well and i I think we all have gone through that to an absolutely. Extent. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the the main things is that we wanted to let people know is that, you know, even though Diane went through the situation and her experience of being infected is different, it's just the same as everyone else. After you're done, you still have to be able to move on and accept your diagnosis. And I think that she's making really great strides for only being infected less than three years because, again, I couldn't tell my story in 2001 or, you know, right when I was diagnosed. So that takes a lot of courage like she was saying before that she teaches in karate that definitely follows through with her through her life when it's interesting that you mentioned and asked her about being an advocate i i i believe like you know and i think we all can attest to this that Mm -hmm. the more she keeps doing this kind of thing the more it will actually help her you know she's still obviously she sounded like she kind of broke down at one point and she's still got some issues going on there and i think it can't be easy for her in her situation and i i think it'll be therapeutic for her as well, going through the whole process and realizing that there is a whole network of people out here that are supportive and have answers and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, you're, you're right. I, I think the more you talk about it, um, the more you do become not so much um, okay with it, but more comfortable and, and you, you tolerate it, right? And it's just, I, I, I think you're right, Jack. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the more you do it, the more you talk about it, the, the easier it gets, right? Right. Yeah, the easier. And it, it's just, it, it's, it, it, she's got, she's two years into this. And, you know, she, she's like many of us who, who got that, oh, you're HIV. Oh, guess what? You also have AIDS. Right. Um, I mean, just you know, don't pass go. Don't collect your two hundred bucks. She, right. Or, like I like two hundred cheap dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And especially when you're, especially when you're not really educated about the disease, and you get, you know, that diagnosis. Especially when you're told you have AIDS, it really scares you. Right. And I think that, um, you know, that for her to move through that so quickly and and be able to talk about it on a public level like that is really commendable. Um, and that's what I wish. I mean, and we all know I had a little beef with the show. Um, 
the Oprah show. And I wish that Oprah, you know, the, the producers would have taken the responsibility to say, like, listen, yeah, these women are all HIV positive, but for those of you that are watching that also find yourself in a similar situation, there's a lot of people that find out they're HIV positive that aren't educated about it and know that there are treatment options and it's better to get tested earlier because the, the more you know, the sooner you know, the better your chances are of I mean, I just think they could have done a lot, a much greater service to the HIV community and people that are at risk. Right, and that's the one thing that we want to leave with people is that you should definitely go out and get tested because, like you said, the sooner you find out, the better you are taking control of your health. I want to thank yes. everybody for tuning in. I want to thank Diane oh, for being we our guest. We're there. Um, Jack, you want to give a shout-out to your website, and then, Jeremy, you can do the same? Okay. Uh, yeah, go to com. go to jackmackenroth.com. Email me, Facebook me, come over to my house. I'm lonely. <laughs> God. Me. You can see, find me at PositivelySpeaking.com, and that's uh, P-O-Z, PositivelySpeaking.com, and email me at Jeremy at PositivelySpeaking.com as well. There you go, and you can get a hold of me at POSIM.com, and join our little network at POSIM.com. Everyone have a great night. Jack, Jeremy, until next week. That's Bye. Right. Good night. Have a good Bye, week. Guys. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.